In the early mid 21st century, society has fully used the internet for a couple of decades now, where everything, any piece of knowledge one seeks, is found by a click of a button. Music has become another consumable product that has been blessed or cursed, whichever you view it as, by this convenience. But it never was always like that. It wasn't relatively so long ago that we had separate devices strictly for music. CDs, even the almost forgotten MP3 player. Today, music is integrated by other devices like our computers, or most common, our phones. And even before the days of digitally reading music to be played, we would use analog means to recreate sound. Today, we're going to be looking at the brief history of audio reproduction. What's going on, you guys? My name is Stefan, and you're listening to Audio Addiction. Firstly, what is audio reproduction? It is a digital, electronical, mechanical, or by any other means of inscription to recreate sound waves. This could be any form of audio from a guitar, a voice, or even the sounds of the wind. As early as 1400 BCE in modern-day Iraq, we see the first signs of musical notation. A tablet was discovered in which described instructions on how to recreate a certain piece of music. We can interpret that the music consisted of harmonies and thirds, and that even certain symbols found on the tablet indicate a certain string on a lyre. This isn't the first instance, however. The ancient Greeks, the Byzantines, and several other old cultures did indeed have similar notation systems. However, these notation systems have been skeptical, that do not provide a clear means of recreating music, and not a concrete way of audio reproduction, where there is more areas of interpretation of the reader and relying more on oral tradition that is passed along generations to keep this idea going. Add this before as early as 1400 BCE. Now technology has only gone so far in recreating audio. We have analog means and digital means, but before then we relied on people to recreate the sounds that we wanted to hear. Hence comes in musical notation, a type of language if you will that writes down certain patterns and certain notes that are legible by any musician or a person who knows how to play music to read and then recreate that sound. It all had to be done like that. However, the notation that most people are aware of is the modern Western notation system. This form is extremely detailed, leading, leaving little to the imagination, making it possible to have a consistent sound each and every time. And then the orchestra, the quartet, any form of modern European classical music had become the first to the closest idea of what we know as music reproduction. You can hear a symphony by Beethoven from France or in Russia and have it sound pretty much alike. The act that the same piece of music can be played anywhere in Europe where any professionally trained musician can represent a music player, a stereo, or any other CD, or any other medium that you can think of. That is what they had. In addition, there was initiatives to develop a mechanical or hydropowered means of recreating sound, without a trained musician, 
or musicians, there was no means of recreating a piece of music. There are records dating back as early as the 9th century where Persian engineers were able to design a machine that was able to play certain cylinders of sound through hydropower. It's the similar design that would be used for hundreds of years. These machines work at much like an orchestra would, reading certain notes or inscriptions that a machine can read and thus play a certain piece of music. Using the late 18th century machine, the piano player, as it being the most well-known mechanical device for music reproduction, much like an orchestra, it needs sheet work in order to perform. The player piano needs a similar means of notation. But instead of a clef, notes, and other means of notation, the player piano requires a list of commands on a roll of paper much like what would one see as Morse code. It consists of a series of dots, lines, and various places in conjunction to the keys on the piano. In the previous cases, every family household would usually have someone to play the piano or was somewhat musically inclined to, as this was the only few streams of entertainment in the household. This mechanical device has allowed the freedom of music being played in the common household. All you need to do is buy the piano roll. These series of dots, although gone from history, are still being used digitally, even keeping the name piano roll on MIDI softwares on digital audio workstations. We finally reached the end stages of mechanical forms of musical reproduction. In the late 19th century, we begin to see forms that were never available inventors were starting to crank out devices of any kind of use. The steam engine, the telegraph, light bulb, sewing machine, bicycle, the hydrogen fuel cell. In addition, another invention, the phonograph, was patented and created en masse by one Thomas Edison. Using a thin layer of foil and a hand crank system, this device was simply too expensive to create. It would take seven more years of development and, of course, some competition to have Edison come back to the drawing board with this novelty product. Using a wax cylinder with a hand crank to wind the spring inside to then make the cylinder spin created a more durable device at a lower cost. Many of these also housed a means of recording sound. I also mentioned that there was some competition. The Volta Laboratory, created by Alexander Graham Bell, had invented a product that would, too, project sound from a medium. Using a lateral disc instead of a vertical like Edison, gramophones would provide a louder sound compared to the phonograph counterpart. However, the quality was still subpar in comparison. These two inventions would be the first ever to be able to project and record sounds, and they would skyrocket in popularity, replacing what was then the most popular music product, pianos and sheet music. Although first better in sound quality, the phonograph would kneel to the more popular, better designed gramophone. The gramophone would improve its design soon, overtaking the quality of audio in comparison to Thomas Edison's phonograph. It was cheaper to produce, both the unit and records. In addition, it was easier to stack and ship en masse. The gramophone in the time of the 1910s would use a 78 RPM disc 
made of a material called shellac. Like the phonograph, the player would use a spring-loaded unit to spin the platter, creating 78.26 revolutions per minute. Furthermore, the recording of these records were recorded entirely acoustically, requiring a large horn to grab as much vibration of sound as possible, leading into a diaphragm that would then carve a groove into the master disc. This would mean people would have to be very close to the horn and be very loud for any sound to be detected, resulting in any subtle or what would be known in later years as more intimate songs. Next time, we will take up on the latter half of what we know as the gramophone, introduce new styles of records, and bring in another form of medium, and finally, the digital age. I'll see you next time.